Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Design to Product podcast, where we talk about getting a hardware product from design to manufacturing. I'm Adario, host today, and our guest is DC Spregola, founder and CEO of New Gen Architects, digital supply chain advisory and software implementations. Hi, DC. Hello. Great to have you on. So maybe we can start with the trends. You obviously, like, we, you talk a lot with manufacturing or with companies that work in supply chain in general and you see what they struggle with so what do you see like as the trends in the supply chain space i think right now what i'm seeing is very consistent with i think the headlines there is a talent shortage from just a number of people from a skill set of people who are already in the space professionals that already are working and there's a big move to digital. I've I've been in the digital supply chain space and you know cloud-based technology since before the pandemic. So as we all know, the pandemic really accelerated and uh, I would say accentuated maybe anything that people were kind of kicking down the road to say, oh, we can do that later. Digital transformation, we can do that later. Technology implementations, we can do that later. And all of that has now come front of mind for people. So when you read a lot of the the McKinsey Research, Harvard Business Review, you see a lot of what's, I would say, headlines in the paper of the thing that executives are saying is really stopping them from doing that digital transformation is talent shortage, people, skill set, things like that. And I, I mean, that's very consistent with what I'm seeing when I talk to prospects, when I talk to customers. The the focus that I'm in, now my background before I started Nugent Architects, I was working at other consulting firms and uh, working with household brands, Clorox, Coca-Cola, um, big, huge enterprise companies. And uh, I started my company to focus more on the startups, small businesses, and you know even mid-market, some people would call it. And uh, we see a lot of uh, really good intentions and people who absolutely want to do a transition into digital and then adopt not even new technologies, but technologies that have been around for a while that they never really were, I would say, forced by the market because you don't... You don't undergo a transformation, in my opinion, unless there is a need and urgency. Mm-hmm. If you have a need, but it's not really urgent, then you don't really it's think about it. Inertia. It's just really hard. Exactly. Exactly. So you have to have a need and there has to be urgency. So now with that need and urgency, people are saying, okay, how do we automate these manual activities? How do we free up time for our people to be able to make better decisions, strategic decisions. The data itself isn't necessarily the, I don't want to say clean. That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's not the key that we can depend on. You know, we can't just take all of these numbers that we have from the last six months or the last 18 months and then plan our business that way. We need people to be able to analyze the market and to support the technology. There are so many times where because of, I, I think, a um, a mixed match of understanding on the, the decision maker, you know, the business user side and the technology is that, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, like the system's going to know it. So then 
I, you know, I sit down and, um, you know, I have a business user tell me, well, why didn't the system like know to do whatever, whatever? Uh-huh. Like, well, you also didn't tell it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It, like, you, you have to have that human element yes. to work with whatever the technology is. So, I, I mean, it's, I would say that what I'm seeing is definitely very consistent with what the headlines are um, and that people are, you know, executives are pushing for the automation, the digital, people have digital budgets, they have software budgets, and they're trying to figure out what to start with first and who to bring along the journey, how to bring those people along, um, how to upskill people, reskill people. Um, how to fit the talent gap. You've got a lot of, especially in the manufacturing space, you've got a lot of people that are going to be retiring soon. They're going to take tribal knowledge with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of the different um, manufacturing partnerships in the, in the States, MEPs, who are trying to work with smaller manufacturers to either revamp or implement some sort of like apprenticeship program make it fun and sexy to, to work in manufacturing. Um, there are quite a few, um, you know, organizations of like the manufacturing renaissance and, and trying to figure out how to solve the talent shortage. So that's a very long answer to your question. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because what you're saying is that we need people to be able to implement those changes. It's not enough that you have the data. It's not enough that you have the technology. You have you have to have the right, I would say, maybe mindset and people to use that data and, and make decisions out of it. You also mentioned that it's urgent. Why do you see that it, it gets urgent? And what, what would you suggest the company usually to, to, where do you suggest them to start? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'll take the... The second question is harder. The first <laughs> question, the first question is easier because um, now with from an urgency perspective, I would say when I first started doing cloud-based technology implementations, it was a very much an early adopter situation. And I, I would say normally you probably see the early adopters adopting for a little bit longer. So it it was normal that she would talk to companies and say, oh, you know, we don't, we don't need that. Like, oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, we can live without it. But now with consumer expectations changing, um, with, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say new disruptions. Obviously, the pandemic was like a, a big one because there yeah. were uh, even companies that did do risk management. You never expect it for everything to happen at the same time. You know, <laughs> you didn't expect for like your manufacturer to be shut down and for your freight forwarder to not be able to send stuff and for people to not be good, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you never expect it all to happen at the same time. But I mean, I personally think that we're getting into a world where the, the media is hyping up all of these supply chain disruptions as if like supply chain disruptions didn't always happen. I mean, yeah. the weather was always a thing. Obviously, yes, with climate change, you know, things are getting a little bit worse. But I mean, I, I know people who have been working in the Florida region, you know, hurricane season down in the Caribbean, they've always prepared for hurricane season. Like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they've always done that. New. So yeah, it's it's not new, but... What what changes now with the urgency is that the consumer expectations change because technology has uh, like we we've gotten to the point to where we can do so much with our phones. 
Um, and we have so much at our fingertips. We have so much information. It's so quick. And you want things to be accurate that I expect that as a consumer and also even as an employee, I expect that as a consumer for a company to just give me that information. I want to know when things are in stock. I want to know. I mean, I was actually just checking um, for a hotel room with my Marriott app yesterday. And when I went in, I put in the dates, like the first thing you do, and then it pulls up the hotels that are available and the rooms that are available. I click the room and then it gets me to the screen where I have to pay for the reservation. And it tells me, oh, well, this room isn't available. So I like want to get on the phone with the guy, whoever at Marriott. And I'm like, dude, fix your system. <laughs> like, <you're okay. laughs> like fix this because if that, the more that happens, I'm just going to go to another brand. You know, if, if I'm not so loyal to where like, I'm just, you know, going to ride or die with this brand, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so somewhere else does provide the, the experience. Exactly. Exactly. So it comes down to not only the consumer experience, which of course, voice of the customer and the supply chain space, always, you know, the, the, the customer is king supply chain is queen. Um, I did not take that. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I mean, I did not, I did not coin that. Uh, I got that from Sherry Heinish. So I will give credit where credit is due. Um, but even just from the employee perspective, I mean, having technology, again, going back to the point of in my daily life, I have my iPhone, I have my iPad, I have my computer, I can do all of these things. I don't want to get to work and feel like I got in a time machine and now I'm like writing on sticky notes and writing on the whiteboard and sending an email and then printing a PDF. Like there, there are so many different things that we, and I say we as millennials and Gen Z, like we digital natives grew up with this technology and it's become so embedded in our lives that having technology and being a digital first company is also an employee retention tool. Mm -hmm. And we all know that you know how much it costs for employee turnover. You know how much it costs to train someone. You know how much it costs when someone leaves with that tribal knowledge. So it's not only about the customer, you know, outside of the four walls of the company, but the urgency for digital is also internally of making sure that you're providing a an experience where people want to work at your company between quiet quitting the great you know resignation all of that you have to also be a good place to work you know um so there's there's urgency from so many different sides and we're not at a point anymore to where being digital is a competitive advantage you're at the point to where like the market is changing. The world is changing. If you want to stay in business, you have to revisit your digital strategy. Because yeah, if you like, don't, you'll be disrupted and you know someone else is going to take over. Yeah, it's like the there's no room for you to be here if you're not if you're not doing that transformation, right? It's not it's not, it's already if you look at the innovation cycle, it's after the, the early adopters. You have to you have to adapt. And and absolutely when you look at, at the company like the what are the considerations? Like where, where should they start? They want to. Oh yeah. That was the second, that was your second question. Um, where, where to start it, you know, the questions it, it really I know. Depends. <laughs> but you, you know, the, so the reason why I say it's harder is because you get a typical consultant answer. Of, it depends, but it, but it really does. Yeah. So one of the things that I make sure that we do as a team is to understand what the, overarching 
goals and objectives of the company is. Because we're at a point to where, I mean, in supply chain, there are hundreds of tools and supply chain is also so large. So if you think about like the the score model, which has recently changed, um, but, you know, uh, make, source, deliver, innovate, like it, it evolved into a couple of different models, return, deliver, et cetera. But all of those different functions have their own technologies. And you've got your ERP, your WMS, your TMS, procurement tools, CPFR tools, and like the list goes on and on. And then you now have these point solutions and data integrators and APIs and you know all of the technology that it can now be connected in data warehouses and data lakes. So that's just the supply chain. Then you have your fintech tools and your martech tools and you know your advertising. So it really comes down to an entire transformation. If you say, I want to be a digital first company, I want to remain relevant. And when you sit down and you talk to a CEO or CFO, CEO who, who says that they want to do this, I think they have great intentions, not always realizing how much work it really is going to take and how many years and how much time and iterations it will take to actually get there. If, you know, depending, of course, on where you are in a digital maturity, there are different phases of digital maturity. Some companies are a little bit further along than others. But when you sit down and you realize, oh, crap, this is a lot of stuff and we have to figure out, like you say, where to start. For me, I always start with like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to gain market share, increase revenue, become profitable? And you would think that like, yeah, obviously I want to increase revenue. Obviously, like that's, you know, I want to be profitable. Um, But that's not the overarching goal for everyone. That is, you know, almost always a result of the overarching goal. But sometimes the goal is I want to improve employee experience. By improving employee experience, I expect for a result of that to be increased profitability because we will yeah, cut so costs you have to get turnover. You have to get like a little bit more specific into what you want to achieve and then you, you'll you be able to get into it, uh, understand what your problem is and then find a relevant solution. Right. That's, it's, when you, it's when you pull out the, the Six Sigma toolbox. Mm-hmm. Of like the five whys, the check sheets, yeah. like, you know, what's actually happening, not what your, because, because also if you, how do I say this? I don't that's not necessarily what your gut is saying, but not necessarily who is complaining the loudest, because sometimes you walk into a company and, you know, this one department or this one VP is complaining the loudest and making the most ruckus. So that's what you start with. But if you actually sit down and do a business case and analysis, it's like, well, you've got some people that are quietly suffering over here. And if you fix this because of all of the fires that they're unnecessarily fighting and all of the time that they're unnecessarily spending, you know, with this manual workaround, you would probably actually, if your goal is profitability, get to those profitability goals faster because you're going to decrease your cost and improve the ways of working on that side. So it, it definitely comes down to understanding the goals, doing a business impact analysis, and then even sometimes just doing a, you can't always start with what you want to start with. And there can be a couple of different factors for that. 
So then what you, you know, what we end up doing is a, um, a matrix impact versus level of effort. So if there's something that's low level of effort and it will have high impact, even if that impact is just company morale or like getting buy-in for the rest of the transformation, even if it's not going to immediately give you that financial metric that you're looking for, that quantitative, if it's just the qualitative um, result of having everyone excited for what's going to come next, then start with a quick win. You know, get everybody on board. Getting the quick wins also creates the momentum that you need. Like starting with, it's just like completing tasks. Like starting with something really hard is sometimes you cannot do the first initial steps. And and I had a question for you. Does an opportunity to innovate has to be felt by someone? Like, is there, are there cases where nobody's feeling that something's wrong, but, and, and no one is, is, talking about this problem, but there is a huge opportunity to, to make something much better, much more profitable and create more revenue. Do you see that? Do I see that people don't know that an iPhone is better than a flip phone because they've never used an iPhone before? (laughs) (laughs) That's, that, that's, that, that's what comes to mind is that, um, I mean, I remember when the iPhone came out, and there was a camera on it. And I was like, I don't need a phone with a camera. I have a digital camera and I have a phone. Why would I need, you know, both of those? Um, so it, there's absolutely a world. We, we, you know, you talk to people all the time where they don't see the need until there is pain. And that pain can lead to the urgency. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to you have to have a need and an urgency for someone to actually, you know, move it forward, the mm-hmm. initiative forward. And it has to be the right person because, I mean, you, you, the people who are using the tools and doing the manual work and realizing that this is ridiculous, like, why can I order, you know, my groceries to be delivered to me in 15 minutes, but I have to like print off a PDF and scan it and send it via email to a supplier or like manually take all the information from the PDF, like OCR puts it, you know, many moons ago. So it, it has to be the right person that also recognizes this isn't the best way of working. And I think it's just a matter of, um, how do I explain this? Um, there is a book that I can't remember what it's called and it, it's about innovation. Mm-hmm. And it, the author is a guy who's worked with like tons of government organizations. NASA has worked with a lot of, you know, the, the lead innovators that you think of um, as companies and the way that their leadership always understood the need and the urgency to continue to innovate even though, you know, to your point, no one really feels it is, uh, you know, they would have these annual meetings where the, the team would say, okay, if we keep doing what we're doing for the next five years without changing, what potentially in the market is going to cause us to lose Mm. everything that we, you know, that we've accomplished so far? Mm. Is it some other technology that's going to disrupt us? Is it another company who has a different business model? So they were always 
hyper aware of the fact that even though we don't feel anything now, it doesn't mean it does not exist. And they would look to, you know, these trendsetters, market research, you know, everything that, that was going on outside of the walls of the company and even outside of just like the main big competitors. And that's how they were always able to innovate. So to, to your point, you don't always feel a need, but there is, if you're in business, a, a need is always there to understand, to innovate, to change. Um, in my mind, just because of the nature of like who we are as a human population, like things happen, the world changes. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, companies that are I, still around are around because they've changed. I think it's a, it's also a matter of like, a, but being proactive rather than reactive. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. want to be the last one to to make that change because then you lose a lot of the advantages. So you would want to be forward thinking. You want you would want to understand to anticipate like the the needs, the challenges to to be the first to do something or or the second, but to to be the one right. in the because front. to your point by your by the time you gotten on the bandwagon, you know, you, you've missed out if you're being reactive. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's the typical spectrum of early adopters versus laggards. And then all the people in the middle. Yeah, exactly. We also talked uh, before our conversation about innovating versus optimizing when we are mm-hmm. doing this transformation. What do you see as the, the difference between the two? I, I look at an innovation as something completely new and, and I, I, maybe not completely new because uh, there's uh, i think that there is very little in our world in general that is completely new like i mean human population has been around for, for you know for for many many years we always get some sort of creativity or something from somewhere so you know i loosely say something completely new versus taking what you have and just maybe doing an incremental change So I think that a lot of people want to be innovative because it sounds nice, but I think that where at least, you know, startup and mid-market, I see a lot more um, is just optimization, Mm -hmm. process re-engineering. And and I think it's also a matter of, uh, it's not just the technology, you know, you, you could say, or someone could argue potentially, hey, I have this process, but we're just going to completely scrap it and start over. We're going to have a new innovative process. And it's like, cool, you're, you have this one process, but in order to innovate truly, it has to be like a complete cultural change. Mm-hmm. You have to have more than this like individual function or area or business flow or workflow in order to be truly innovative, you have to touch so many other pieces of the business. And again, that takes just, it's a cultural change that takes a lot more time and energy. So I think that optimizing certain pieces of the business is an incremental way to get to innovation, Mm. if if that makes any sense. So, you know, going from, call it a hypothetical level of maturity zero to a level of maturity four, you're not going to go from zero to four. You're going to go from zero to one, one to two, two to three. So you're optimizing certain processes along the way 
but you're on an innovation journey. You're mm-hmm. trying to get to this completely new, innovative way of working, way of being, you know, culture within the company. And you get there through these incremental, you know, re-engineering of processes, optimization of processes, implementing, you know, point solutions versus entire platforms. And it's it's a school of thought. You know, some people say, rip up the whole thing, do it all at once. I, I'm not for bull in the ocean. Take it a little piece at a time. Get your quick wins. Don't be, don't get into change fatigue or, you know, these never ending projects that go on forever and ever, but there, there, a case can be made for both. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like your approach. Like you, you think of it as like optimization is part of the innovation process is, is maybe the first steps should be like optimizations and, and then you get eventually to to be innovative because you'll be you you've been first able to optimize your existing processes before you're starting or doing something completely new but then you're already set for that big change that big innovation that everyone's talking about right nice exactly the the optimization is maybe laying the foundation for the innovation (laughs) nice nice great way to finish our, our interview this is fregola thank you so much for being with us today yeah thank you for having me and you listen to Designer Product. Thank you, listeners, for being with us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your favorite podcasting channel. We are Designed to Product. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.